Shir 177, 70 years for the State of Israel, Yirmiyahu's Tefillah for the Safety of the State by Dr. Abigail Rock. I imagine for many of you this is your first class, so welcome. For those who have come from close, and those who have come from abroad, the nature of today's class requires us to be opening up the Tanakh in several places. I do want to say, if you find it difficult or somewhat tedious, don't worry if you missed one or two sources. I'm going to be paraphrasing the sources. Uh, so, but that's safer, Yirmiyahu. There's no way of, of studying Yirmiyahu without going through several, several books and sources. Very often when I teach Tanakh, specifically Nevuot, my students have difficulty identifying with the content of the Nevuah. The culture is a different culture. The concepts are different concepts. And especially if you talk about Avodah Zarah, it is completely irrelevant to the students studying today. And I want to read out a quote, which I read last year when we studied Nechama Leibowitz. A quote that, that, it's one of my favorite quotes of Nechama Leibowitz's that appears in her Gilion note. A Gilayon written in the, in the 50s, a Gilayon Hadracha, when she explains how to go through the Gilayon which was on the parsha that we just read last week, Matot Mas'ei. Matot, one of the stories in Matot Mas'ei is the story of Reuven and God approaching Moshe not to cross over the Yarden. If you look on your first source, I'll read it in Hebrew, but translate, Nechama writes as follows, Every portion of the Torah, every section, every unit, is meant to be under, read and understood by every single generation. And there is a message from those sections to all time periods. Having said that, that every unit is relevant, there are certain units that are more relevant to other generations, and each generation discovers the units that speak to him. Haperek, she writes this in the 50s. Haperek shebo osek gilyonenu, yuvan ledorenu, ulai yoter me'asher ledorot shekadmu lanu. The unit discussing Ruvain God, who are debating between looking out for their own good or going and putting them, their lives on the line for Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael, is a parak that perhaps Nechamali would suggest is more understood by our generation. That that debate, do you put your own good over the good of the nation, than ever before in Jewish history. Of course, you shouldn't be spoon feeding the message. Speak, teach the unit. The message will surf to the top. And if that, what Nechama was said, is true about the, the unit of Ruvain and God, it is ten times fold more true towards st- certain sections of Sefer Yirmiyahu. I think Sefer Yirmiyahu is a book that our generation perhaps have understood it better than any other generation in Jewish history. Maybe even more than the audience listening to Yirmiyahu for the very first time have understood Yirmiyahu's nevuot. We have, we, we have the opportunity to read and understand Yirmiyahu like no other generation had before. Now, say for Yirmiyahu, Yirmiyahu was a Navi for quite a long time, 40 years, very long time. Nevuot, over 40 years, changed according to what needs to be addressed in each generation. In an hour, we can't go through 40 years of Nevuot, but in order to understand Yirmiyahu and the and specific, we're going to be studying today the last king of Yehuda, which is Tzitkiyahu. We we just need a little bit of history, so I'm going to devote the the first 10 minutes of the class just to make a little bit of say there, knowing which are the kings that we are talking about, so that we could go into the time period of Tzitkiyahu. Yirmiyahu begins his prophecies in year 627 BC in the time of Yoshiyahu. Yoshiyahu deserves a class in of its own right. I want to begin with the 
Judean king Jehoiakim and to talk about him for a few minutes. In order to get just a picture of who Jehoiakim is, Jehoiakim, you have in source number two, the timeline of Jehoiakim, 609 to 598. I want us to open up to a few psukim in Yermiahu chapter 22, verse 13. Hoivone beito belotzedek. This is a nivuah that Yermiahu prophesizes against Jehoiakim who is immoral when he builds his palace. Now, why does he need to build his palace? He has a palace in Ir David that's already built. He, this is probably his summer home. We know from chapter 36 that Yirmiyahu has, that, that Yehoiakim has a winter home. This is probably his summer home. People are struggling financially because there's very high tribute to pay to the Babylonian king. And yet, he is building himself a summer home and he has a winter home and he's building these homes without paying prop without paying the workers with no justice according to the archaeologist Yohanan Aharoni this summer home if you've ever gone to Ramat Rachel behind Ramat Rachel they have all of these archaeological findings remnants of some buildings Yohanan Aharoni suggests that that is the remnant of the palace of Yehoiakim. So next time you have a wedding there or you're there for a vacation, take a minute, go out and read this perek at Ramat Rachel. He builds a second floor. Building on the second floor was very complicated. It required a great deal of resources. He doesn't pay his workers. He says, I wish to build myself a large palace. A large palace with huge windows. Huge windows was also a huge expense and a huge undertaking. They found in Ramat Rachel the post of these windows. Shashar is the color red. These windowsills that were painted red, they found windows that were painted red. They have a replica in Ramat Rachel. The original now is in the Israel Museum. Hatim Lok, do you think you are worthy of being king? And you just have to imagine your meow delivering this nevuah under the wind, walking under the windows of Yehoiakim. It's not easy being a king and being a prophet. And... I could only imagine Yoyakim wanting to just kick him out of there. Hatim, look, do you think you are being a worth, you are worthy of being king? What did your father do when he was king? Pasuk Tetzayin, verse 16. Being a just king, that is what makes one worthy. All you're interested in is acquiring assets, and you don't, it doesn't bother you that you are stepping on the heads of all those who are weaker. You step on those who are weaker than you, those who are weaker are you step on those who are weaker than them, and at the end it is the, always the Yatom and the Almana who suffer most. And he ends this Nevuah in Pasuk Yudchet. Lachen Hashem el Yehoyakim ben Yoshiao Melch Yehuda. No one's going to miss you. Your siblings aren't going to miss you. The nation isn't going to miss you. You are going to end up in a most disrespectful death. Does a donkey get a, a proper burial? No. That's going to be your kvura. Your body, your corpse is going to be dragged outside the gates of Yerushalayim. So what really, what we know about Yehoiakim, Yehoiakim is an evil, immoral king. Uh, the, uh, one other short nevuah that I want us to read in chapter 25, in, delivered in the fourth year of Yehoiakim. We, and we'll begin from verse 4. Yermiahu tells Yehoiakim, I've been sending prophets time and again. For the past 23 years, and you're not listening, you're not even turning your ear towards me. And I, I, I requested of you, verse 5. There's a little play of words. If you do tshuva, you can be yoshev. 
if you return, you can settle the land. Don't follow the adults, the adult, the the idols. Don't do evil. And verse nine, if you don't listen, I am sending upon you all the nations of the north, and and I will bring Nebuchadnezzar to this land, and this entire land will become desolate. A pasuk yud you'll be familiar with, but this is not to be sung. This is a curse. They will not be heard songs of joy, songs of a bride and a, and a groom. Kol rechayin ve'orner, sounds of grinding and and sound, sounds of and the light of candle. What does all of this curse mean? There'll be no sounds of joy. Radak says what's in common to all of these, the bride and the groom, the grinding and the light, these are things that you have at in a happy, joyous event. You have the bakers baking, you have the candles lighting, you have joyous events. There'll be nothing happy in Yerushalayim. Another explanation brought suggested by Mitsudot, it's not that there won't be joyous events. They won't be any normal life. Normal in a time of war, people don't get married. In the time of war, people don't have families. In the time of war, there is not enough money to grind. There's not enough money for grain, so you can't grind anything. And in the time of war, there'll be no oil to light candles. You will be there will be no normal life. The entire land will become desolate, and you will worship the Bab you will be subordinate to the Babylonians for 70 years. After the 70 years, Babel's time period will come up too. Yoyakim's life ended with that disrespectful death. There's a little bit of a discrepancy between Melachim and Divrei Hayamim because it seems like he's, he is taken by Babylon, by Babel, and yet it appears that he is, he's supposed to be, he's, he died in Yerushalayim. He probably was taken by Melech Babel, his body dragged out and by, while being dragged out, he died, that disrespectful death. Yehoiakim's death does not just end with the king dying. There are several crises that take place at that time. When Yehoiakim, when Ye, the, what causes this war with Yehoiakim and Melech Babel, Yehoiakim rebels against the Babylonian king, refuses to pay tribute. Babel comes and attacks Yehoiakim. While he attacks Yehoiakim, he takes of the ve- some of the vessels of Beit Hamidash. Taking of vessels of Beit Hamidash is always a crisis in Yerushalayim. It is, a dis- it is stripping Yerushalayim of its dignity. It raises several questions. But in addition, there's a, a less familiar story that takes place because it doesn't appear in Yirmiyahu or in Melachim or in Sefer Divrei Hayamim. It appears in Sefer Daniel. There is an exile of children in Sefer Daniel. So let's open up to Sefer Daniel now. Chapter 1. Bishnat Shalosh Lamachut Yehoyakim Melech Yehuda, Ban Nebuchadnezzar Melech Babel Yerushalayim Bayatar Aleah. Now, the numbers are a little bit confusing. Um, we know this Matzor is in the 11th year of Yehoiakim and not in the third year. It's the third year of independence of Yehoiakim. Yehoiakim rebels in his eighth year, so in third year of his independence, he rebels. As a result, Nebuchadnezzar attacks. Verse 2, Right, we spoke about that. Yehoiakim is given in the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, he takes up the vessels, umiktat klei beta Elohim, vayaviem eret shinar, he brings these vessels to the temple, Beit Elohav, in, in Babel, which is a way of showing that our God had defeated your God, that's why we take those vessels and store them, in, not in the treasure house, but rather in the temple. And the third thing that happens, in addition to Yehoiakim te- be, being killed, and the vessels being taken, Right, so 
custody. He requests of, his, of one of his officers to bring from Judah several descendants of the royal family. They will come to Babel. In Babel, they will be raised according to the Babylonian custom and culture. And what does Nebuchadnezzar have in mind here? Eventually, these royal family princes will be sent back to Yerushalayim and we will finally have kings and leadership that are loyal to Babel. Nebuchadnezzar is tired of all these kings that rebel against the Babylonian king. He creates this system of it, bringing them here, raising them here. They'll accept the Babylonian culture here and we'll ship them back there. There they will be accepted upon the Judean community because they are of our own blood. They are of Zerah HaMelucha and they will be loyal. At the same time, they will be loyal to Melech Babel. And that is the plan at this point. This plan never comes to fruition because eventually, 11 years later, all of Yehud, the remnants of Yehuda end up coming to Babel. But this was the plan. So these are three major events that are taking place in year 598 in the time period of Yoyakim. But as, this, as if this is not enough of a crisis, the following king, the son of Yehoiakim, not to be confused with Yehoiakim, his name is Yehoiakim, uh, who sits on the throne following his father, doesn't even receive 100 days of grace. Three months after he rules, Nebuchadnezzar comes again, removes Nebuchadnezzar, removes Yehoiachin from the throne. Let's open up to these events in Sefer Melachim Bet in Kings 2. Oh, sorry, let's open up. We'll open up to Divrei Hayamim. It's easier. It's the last page of the Tanakh, if you're, unless you're holding Mosada um, Rav Kook. The last page of the Tanakh, chapter 36. Read from Pasuk. Tet, verse 9. Ben shanim yehoyachim b'malchos, loshach hodashim v'asert yemim malach b'yerushalayim, v'yas hara b'nei Adonai, ulitshuvat hashana shalach ha-melech nebuchanetzar v'yaviehu b'vela im klei chemdat b'yit Adonai. He retakes him to Babel. He appoints his He takes Yoachim to Babel. He takes some more of the vessels with him to Babel. And so now, not only do we have the three earlier crises, a king is taken in, is removed from the throne, taken to Babel. In Melachim Bet, which we're about to open now, we're going to see that there is a relatively large exile, even if not large in numbers, in, it is very significant, this galut. Oh, if, if you want to open up, open up to Melachim Bet, chapter 24, verse 1. After the description of Yehoiachim, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll leave, even skip a little bit more. We'll skip to verse 14. Vihigla et kol Yerushalayim. Kol Yerushalayim does not mean all of Yerushalayim because Yerushalayim is going to continue to exist for 11 years. He, Nebuchadnezzar exiles the, a very prominent part of Yerushalayim. Et kol hasarim, the officers, the warriors, the harash and the mazger. The harash and the mazger is anyone that can make weapons. Basically, Nebuchadnezzar is exiling anyone that might rebel against him. The officers, the leadership, the politicians, those who have, the, those who are the warriors, he takes, that's what we know as Galut Yehoyachin, brings them to Babel, the mother queen, the wives of the king, and Anshei Hachayel, and he appoints, instead of Yehoyachin, he appoints Yehoyachin's uncle, the brother of Yehoyachin, Tzidkiyahu, whose name is really Matanya, but he changes his name to Tzidkiyahu. Changing one's name is a way of, in Tanakh of saying that you are owned by me. I own you. Right? I, you are subordinate to me. We have that several times when Yosef's name is changed to Tzafnak Pa'aneach, the giving of the name of Moshe that by Bat Paro, 
um, Abraham's name changed to, from Avram to Abraham. There's a way that you're becoming an Eved of Moshe, by Krashmo Yehoshua. So here he changes his name. That's a way of saying that you are you belong to me. He changes it to a very Jewish name, right? He doesn't change it from Matanya to uh, Belchatzar. He changes it from Matanya to Tzitkiyahu. How does he know? He has plenty of Jewish advisors that work for him. He wants to, he wants this king to be accepted upon the Jewish community in Yehuda. Why does, what's special about Tzitkiyahu that he would choose him over Yehoyachin? So maybe Tzitkiyahu has at this point some well-known pro-Babylonian approach. Or maybe there's nothing specific about Tzitkiyahu other than the Buchanetzar wants to make a point you have no longer the right to choose your king. You've lost that right when you rebelled. I now appoint your king. So Yerushalayim at this point is really in a state of crisis. The dignity of Yerushalayim has been completely stripped and many, many questions are being raised. What we've done, this was the first part of the class, is a historical background. Now we're about to, now we're really beginning the topic of today. Yerushalayim is in a state of crisis. Not only Yerushalayim, we also have now for the very first time in Jewish history, Yahadut Hatfutzot. We now, now have a need for the first Jewish agency. True, we've had some 125 years ago a large group that had exiled by the Assyrian king, but we don't know that they live as a community, we don't know that they live as Jews, and there's very little if no contact at all between the community here and the community in the, in the Assyrian Empire. This is the first time that we have two Jewish communities and there is contact between them and both communities need to address the, this major crisis. What is happening here in Yerushalayim? Is God neglecting those who have exiled? Is God rejecting Yerushalayim? If I, if I were teaching this in high school, I would, ask the high, I would ask my students here to put together the Shabbat B'Shabbato Parsha sheet of the time or any other Parsha sheet and say, here, what are the voices that are being heard? Now we hear several voices. How do they interpret the events? How do they understand the events? What is the theological meaning they give the, to these events? The, what is the political meaning? People need hope. This is the first time in Jewish history that there has been an exile. This is the first time. This is the first time in Jewish history that the king, two kings, one after the other, have been removed and exiled in Yehuda. It's true, this has happened in the Assyrian Empire. But they thought Yehuda is invincible. They need words of hope. And this is where all the politicians and the publicists and the chief rabbis come and give meaning. We hear this meaning both coming from Chutzlaretz, from the diaspora. We'll hear those voices in Sefer Yechezkel, and we hear them also in Sefer Yirmiyahu. Yechezkel, we could view him as the chief rabbi of Yahadut Hatzfutzot. And some of the voices that are heard there is, if God has rejected us, well, let's reject God. We should be like all other nations, of Dei Etzva to which Yechezkel says, that which crosses your mind, not happening. Another voice, voice argues, well, maybe we should build our Yerushalayim Delita. Maybe we should build our Beit HaMikdash here in Bavel. He says, no, I am your Beit Mikdash Me'at. In Yerushalayim, there are also several voices that address this issue. Let's begin reading some of these voices in the time period of Tzidkiyahu. Let's begin by opening up to chapter 27. Yirmiyahu chapter 27, sorry, Yirmiyahu 27. While you're opening up, another voice, which we've discussed two years ago, so I'm not going to go too much into it, but just mention one of the voices heard from Yerushalayim is those that deserve, those that have exiled deserved it. We are the righteous ones. We are the real Jews that are chosen. That's why we stayed here. To which your meow is going to give the vision of the two baskets of figs. 
the sour figs and the good figs. And he says, the good figs are actually the ones that have exiled. You think you are better. He says, no, you're going to be the icky ones, the figs at the bottom. You remember those grapes at the bottom of the grape basket that nobody touches? That's going to be you, Yerushalayim. That's another voice. And so let's hear what some of the politicians in Yerushalayim have to say. As background to chapter 27, chapter 27 is describing the UN convention that's taking place in Yerushalayim. And the purpose of this UN convention, ambassadors from all over the region are coming to Yerushalayim to create an alliance against the up-and-coming enemy, the joint enemy, Babel. Let's read chapter 27, verse 1. Verse 1 is a difficult pasuk. Bereshit mamlechet yoyakim. At this point, you all have to say, aren't we studying about Sidkiyahu? So Bereshit in the time period of Yoyakim, we're going to find out in just a minute that this nivuat probably took place in the time period of Sidkiyahu. Why does it say Yoyakim? Give me one minute, I'll address that. Bereshit mamlechet yoyakim ben Yoshamelech Yudah hayah davar azel yirmiyahu Me'et Adonai Lemor in the time period of Yoachim, Yermiah prophesies as follows: So if you ever go to, you came to um, to these days of study. You all got your bag, and your bag has usually I don't know what they gave out this year, but it usually has some uh, nice little gift, very useful gifts. No gift this year? Oh, sorry, it's a bad example for this year. <laughs> I, I guess budget cuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it was only the teachers that didn't get. <laughs> okay. So now I feel better. So that, so you, but in previous years, those who've been in previous years, you got when you're a thermos, when you're, you got that. And, and um, they're always very nice to have those uh, little gifts. And then you, when you walk in the streets, you always know who's been to the Yemei'iyun. So your Miyahu is told, come to this this UN convention and I want you to give out these little gifts actually there's not so little gifts these gifts are going to be animal yokes now a yoke it's not something we're familiar with our, from our life it's made of wood and a rope that's tied around the ox in order to make sure that the, that the ox goes in line and plows in line so you make several of these sets now it's very difficult to schlep these seven-eighths seven, seven, sets of yokes, so God tells them, you're going to schlep them on your neck. So you just have to imagine your meow entering this UN convention, hardly schlepping himself, with these seven sets of yoke around his neck. Let's read Pasuk Bet. Give one set. Melech Edom, Melech Moab, Melech Bnei Amon, Melech Tzor, Melech Tzidon. So here it says specifically it's Sidkiyahu. As far as how to resolve this contradiction, uh, most of the uh, um, classic parshanim say that this is an ivoire that perhaps Yermiyahu was given in the time of Yehoiakim to deliver a few years later in the time period of Sidkiyahu. Maybe it's an ivoire that was delivered twice. Shadal suggests that this, it really should have been, it, it, it must have been a typo. Now this is not, it doesn't make you an apikoros and it doesn't make you not believe in Taramina Shamaim. But he says the story that comes right before is talking about Yehoiakim. And we, all are, we ourselves confuse all these names. Yehoiakim, Yehoiakim, Sidkiyahu. So it should have been, Shadal says it should have been Sidkiyahu all along, which is what makes sense uh, in this story. Says so. So break this. Go into this meeting, and when you, what what is the message you should give him? You're going to give each one this gift, and it's going to say maskeret me, um, not yom ha'iyun. It's going to say maskeret from the meeting in Yerushalayim in the this year of Tzitkiyahu. And what should you say to him? Say this gift is really not for you. This gift is for the king of Edom. This gift is this, this one is for the king of, of Ammon. And this is the message that you should give the, your king. I am the God who have created everything, and I give, as the creator, I give the land to whomever I desire. What is the purpose of the, of the motot, of the yoke? To make sure you follow the line. I give it to those who are yashar. Be'enai, those that which I please. And now, 
It is yashar be'enai, it is right in my eyes, to give these nations all to the hands of Nebuchadnezzar Melech Babel Abdi, Vegamet Chayat Hasaden, Atati Lolo Ovdo, Veabduoto Kolagoim, Vet Bno, Vet Ben Bno, Adbo et Arzo Gamhu, Veabdubo Goim, Rabim Machim Dolim. His time will come too, but right now, this is what you need to accept. And the very important message in verse 8, Vehaya, Hagoi Vamamachasher Loyavduoto et Nebuchadnezzar Melech Babel, the nation that will not be subordinate to the Babylonian king and will not put his neck within the yoke of the Babylonian king, he will, he will perish. That set of three appears several times in Sefer Yirmiyahu. That's an end of a city as a result of a siege. You die of ra'av, starvation, dever, plague, lack of sanitary conditions, and the Cherev is the final, the final remnants are killed by Cherev. You, this is the end of the city. There is one way that you can save your nation, and that is accepting O Melech Babel. And he says, now all of these, all of these nations, they all have their prophets. He says, don't listen to your prophets and don't listen to your dreams. You're listening to your prophets who say, everything's going to be okay, don't worry, because those are your dreams. Don't listen to your sorcerers. Kis sheker hem nitchim. And only if you accept the punishment can you save. This is a message to all nations. There was one pasuk here that you might be familiar with. I want to go back to that pasuk. Pasuk hey. Unetatia, the end of pasuk hey. What does it say? Unetatia le'asher yashar be'enai. Where are you familiar with that pasuk from? Rashi. We're familiar with that first Rashi that opens up Sefer Bereshit. Let's just open up that first Rashi. If you have it in your source sheets. Source number six. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard rabbis and teachers that say Rashi wants to begin his first Rashi with the, what he learned with his father Yitzchak. This is not Rashi's father. This is Rama Rabbi Yitzchak is Rabbi Yitzchak from Medrash Tanchuma. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Lo hayat tzarich latchilat haTorah ela ma'chodesh lachem. Ma'chodesh hazel lachem. The Torah should have begun. If the Torah is a book of mitzvot, the Torah should have begun with the first mitzvah. Shei mitzvah rishonah shenitzavu by Israel. Why therefore does it open with the story of creation? Mishum koach masav higid la'amol atet lahem nachlat goyim. Sheim yomru umot haolam liYisrael. If the nations tell Am Yisrael. You are thieves. You have stolen the, nation, the, the territory of the seven nations. They say God had created the entire world. And as a creator, he gives it to that whom he pleased. Which is very interesting. Yitzhak Shamir in the 80s, in the Madrid peace talks, he started the Madrid peace talks with this quote. He says, God had given us the land. But what's more interesting is that this pasuk is taken out of context of Sefer Yirmiyahu. Because Yirmiyahu is going to be saying the exact opposite. Rashi's quoting Sefer Yirmiyahu and saying, God has given us the land, has taken away from the enemies, from the nations, and given it to us. Let's see how Yirmiyahu interprets this pasuk. Yirmiyahu is going to tell Tzidkiyahu, God has created the world, and he can take it away even from you, Tzidkiyahu, and give it to someone else. You do not have guarantee to Eretz Yisrael. The pasuk in its original appearance, in Sefer Yirmiyahu, is to tell Am Yisrael, you do not have an absolute right to the land. God can take it away from you and give it le'asher yashar be'enav. Which is interesting because it's the exact opposite of what Rashi was trying to prove here. Pasuk Yudbet in Perak Havzayin, continuing. Verse 12 in chapter 27. A personal message to Tzidkiyahu. Bring your neck within the yoke of Babel and that's how you could survive. Why should you die? Don't listen to your Nevi'im. This is a personal message. Don't listen to the Nevi'im. What are the Nevi'im saying? Verse 16. 
אלא כהנים ואלא עם הזה דיברתי לאמור כה אמר שם אל תשמעו על דברי נביאיכם הנביאים לכם. I don't know if any of you have English translations, but if you have an English translation, be very interesting to point out, if you have the Targum, it would also be nice. Whenever it's, the word Nevi'im, referring to Nevi'i Sheker, appears in this, this parak and the following parak several times. It does not say, don't listen to your Nevi'i Sheker. It says, don't listen to your Nevi'im. Some of your English translations might say in brackets, false prophets. Anybody have that in there? Some of them might say false prophets. I think Art Scroll adds false prophets. It, it, the Targum Unkelus, whenever it says Nevi'im, we'll, oh, don't listen to your Nevi'im, and it's clear that Nevi'i Sheker will add Nevi'a de Shikra. How come the text doesn't tell us false prophets? The text, in a very clever way, wants to put the reader in the time period of Yirmiyahu to tell us it's very confusing. The people don't know. It's this Yirmiyahu's word versus this Navi. He's, they both, they, they're both say that they're Navim. On, on their ta- name tag it says Navi, Navi. They both make sense. As a matter of fact, the Nivye Sheker make a lot more sense than Yirmiyahu because the Nivye Sheker are the ones that say that God, are the ones that say we, sh- they're, they're the right wingers. They're the ones that say God would not give up Yerushalayim. Yirmiyahu is the one that says peace now. So let's continue. Verse 16. What are the Nevi'im saying? Laymor, They're saying, the vessels that were taken, they're going to be back on the next boat. Don't listen to them. Pasuk Yudchet. If you're asking, some of you might be asking, if the Nevi'i Sheker sound so credible, how are the people supposed to know who is a Navi Sheker and who's not? The Navi Sheker makes sense. God would not want to destroy Yehuda. Then how is the commoner supposed to know who is a Navi Sheker and who's not? Yirmiyahu will give us throughout Sefer Yirmiyahu several criteria. One of them is in Pasuk Yirchet. If they're real Navim, im Navim hem v'im yesh dvar Adonai tam yivguna ba'Adonai tzvakot levilti vo. One of the criteria is instead of just promising you that everything's going to be okay, why don't they also daven that things shouldn't get worse? Regarding all the rest of Babel, all the rest of the vessels, they're going to exile too. Verse 21, The rest of the vessels are going to exile. They're not coming back anytime soon. They vessels will make Aliyah. Eventually, the vessels do make Aliyah. But he says they're going to be there for a long time. The next story, which I'm not going to ask you to go through because we have to go to, to, go to chapter 29, is that the Hananiah ben Azur is one of the false prophets. He's prophesizing in two years from now, everything's going to come back. And Yehoniah is going to come back, verse 4, and everything's going to be restored. And Yermiah, all he can, it's your word against my word, and Yermiah just answers, Halavai! Halavai! That's the background to what are the voices that are being heard in Yerushalayim. The voices that are, that the people, in order to, encourage the people in order to restore hope to the people the voices that are heard are don't worry it's temporary two years at max there's Nevi'im that say not even two years Mehera, everything is coming back you don't need to worry so those, the two voices that are heard in Yerushalayim number one they're lost those who, 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 who exiled deserved it the other voices it's very very temporary Upon that, we have Perak Haftet. Perak Haftet in Yirmiyahu is a fascinating Perak. In Perak Haftet, Yirmiyahu serves not as a Navi to the Jews in Yerushalayim, but he is writing a letter to the Jews of Babel. The Jews of Babel, who are getting very confusing messages. One message is, God has rejected us. The other message is, we're going to be back in a year or two. How do they respond to all of this? They too need to see theological direction and that they're going to receive 
in one of the most beautiful prakim in Sefer Yirmiyahu, Perek Chavtet. Ve'ele divrei ha-sefer, asher shalach Yirmiyahu, chapter 29, verse 1, Yirmiyahu ha-navi mi-Yerushalayim, el yeter ziknei ha-gola ve'la-kohanim ve'la-nevi'im ve'l-kol ha-am asher hegla nebuchadnezzar mi-Yerushalayim ba-vela. Acharei tzet yechonya ha-melech ve'agvira ve'asarisim sarei yudah mi-Yerushalayim ve'acharash ve'amazger mi-Yerushalayim. So what brings up the events? It says explicitly, a list, the, the, the letter is as a result of Gal, the exile of Yehoyachin. Who does he send this book with? Biyad Elasa ben Shafan Ugmariyahu ben Chilkiyah, Asher Shalach Tzitkiyahu Melech Yuda El Nebuchadnezzar Melech Bavel Bavel Aleimor. So there are there's there are a couple of min, of officers that are going to Bavel. They're sent by Nebuchadnezzar, maybe with the the tribute of that year. And Yirmiyahu says to them, you're going to Babel anyway, do you mind? Right, whenever we hear someone going, you know, you're going to America anyway, can you send this? Usually it's the opposite direction. Can you send from here to here? So you're going to Babel anyway, can you take this letter to the Jewish community? I'd like them to, this very important letter, I'd like them to read it. And here's the content of the letter in verse 4. Ko amar shem tzvakot Yisrael this is the message to the very confused Galut in Babel. Bnu Batim v'shebu v'nit uganot v'ichlu et piryan chunashim v'holidu banim u'vanot u'kchu l'vneichem nashim v'ot b'noteichem t'nul anashim v'teladna banim u'vanot u'revu sham v'al tim'atu Different people go on vacation in different ways. When I go on a three-day vacation, I don't unpack. You're going to unpack for three days? I live out of the suitcase. My husband, when he goes on vacation, he likes everything organized. These are people, when they go on vacation, now, what is he telling them? These are people that exiled, but clearly did not unpack the suitcases. Because why, why are they not unpacking the suitcases? They hear the voices coming from Yerushalayim, Meheira, you're going to be back soon. You don't invest in building a house when you're going to be going back. You rent. You definitely, when you're renting, you definitely don't start up building the garden up because we're going back. You definitely don't start establishing a family. Right? How many people do I want to date when I go to Eretz Israel? Right? Because I'm going to move it if I marry here, but if the spouse doesn't want to go there. So this community is a community that is living here a very temporary life. To which Yirmiyahu says, don't live a temporary life. Now, I want us to open up, keeping one hand here. Open up to Sefer Dvarim, chapter 20. Verse 1. The topic of chapter 20, verse 1, is the Kohen Mashuach Milchama. Ki tetzelu milchama loivecha, the Kohen who escorts the people as they go out to the battle. He gives them words of encouragement. And then he tells, we look at Pasuk Hei, Pasuk 5. V'dibru ha-shotrim ala'am le'mor. Now notice what these three have in common. Mi'a'isha sherbana bayit chadash velo chanacho. Anyone who built himself a house but did not have the opportunity to live in it should go home. Penyamut b'milchama, lest he die and someone else will take over his home. One who had planted a vineyard and did not uh, benefit from the crop yet should go home. And anyone who had betrothed a wife and did not marry her should go home. What are these three things? We have a bait. We have, have, we have the house. We have the, we have the, the fruit trees. And we have the wife. Build yourself a home. Which are the exact same three things that Yirmiyahu is talking about. Yirmiyahu is a Kohen Mashuach Milchama. Yirmiyahu is Min HaKohanim. And if the purpose of the Kohen is to inspire the people and to remove any elements of fear, the purpose of Yirmiyahu's message is an inspirational message here. 
But that's, that's one thought that goes here. Another, more important, is go to Sefer Devarim, chapter 28, the parasha of the Klala. Verse 30. It's a terrible parasha. Isha te'ares ve'ish acher yishkavena ba'itivne ve'lo bo kerem tita ve'lo te'chaleleno. We have those same three things. We have the isha, we have the bait, we have the kerem. I believe Yirmiyahu, more than he's picking up on the Kohen Mashuach Milchama, he's picking up on this, this curse. This curse of exile. When you read this curse of exile, it sounds like pogroms we've been through in the uh, throughout Jewish history. This is pogroms. That's what's describing women being raped, your homes being taken taken over, the the the, the crop being taken over. What well, Yirmiyahu wants to tell the people: you are in galut, but this is not a galut of say of, of parashat kitavo. Your galut is not a klala, is not a curse. Your galut is a galut of chesed. Your galut is a galut of kindness. If the galut described of parashat kitavo is, is the most horrific description of galut, you are the ones that have hope. You are the ones that will get married. You are the ones that will build, ha- have homes. You are the ones that will have your crop. It's a galut of chesed. You are the ones that will survive. So unpack the suitcases, but unpack them because eventually, as he's going to say, you will return, you will survive. And one last thing what's in common, how many of you made Aliyah? Raise your hand. Raise, ah, a lot of people. One last thing that, has in com- that these three have in common, when you ask your shaliyah Aliyah, when you're concerned and you talk to your shaliyah Aliyah, what do you ask them about? Do you ask, is there a good falafel store? No. Do you ask them, how many channels are there in TV, on TV? No. You ask them, will I have a home? Will I have a job? Will my family be okay? Those are the three things, when you relocate, that a person is most concerned with. And Yirmiyahu is not only telling them, that giving, giving them guidance, what you should do, but there's also great nechama. It says, you will have a home. You will have a home. You will have a field. This, you'll be okay there. Don't worry about where you're going. That's Yirmiyahu's message. Let's go back to chapter 29. And say for Yirmiyahu. Pasu, I want to read these psukim, pasuk dalid again. You'll eat their fruit. It is a commandment and it is a promise. And you will have their descendants. Three generations, which reminds that this is parallel to the three generations of Nebuchadnezzar, which we read at the very beginning. He's going to rule, his son's going to rule, his grandson's going to rule. Then his time will come up. And then he ends this section, Vidirshu et Shlom Ha'ir Asher Higleti etchem Shama, Vehit Palelu Baada El Adonai, Ki Bishloma Ye Lachem Shalom. Notice the Milamancha, the word that appears here three times in this Pasuk. Shalom, Shalom, Shalom. This Galut is a Galut of Shalom. This Galut, the purpose is not in or it's not to destroy you. And it says, and now the city that you have to pray for is no longer Yerushalayim. The city of safety for you is Babel. And you have to pray on behalf for Babel. Dear Shu, Lidrosh is to pray. Seek for Yerushalayim. So if up until now the Jews are praying for Yerushalayim, says now this is our city. Which, by the way, right after Kohen Meshuach Milchama, the verse that appears, Ki tikrav el ir eleha l'shalom. So perhaps that perek really, that shalat aleh, is what Yirmiyahu has in mind. I want to just discuss this pasuk a few, a few minutes, because this pasuk eventually became the inspiration for 
the tefillah l'shlom hamedina. The tefillah first it became the inspiration for praying for not just Babel, but any and any country that gives us refuge. Look in source number eight. Source number two. The Mishnah in Masechet Avot. Avot per Gimel Mishnah Bet. Rabbi Chanina. Sgan HaKohanim Omer. Rabbi Chanina was second generation of Tanaim in the time of the Romans. Heve mitpalel bishlomashel malchut. Rabbi Hanina says you should pray on behalf of the ruling government because otherwise it's going to be anarchy. So Yirmiyahu says you should pray on behalf of the government because that is your home now. Rabbi Hanina gives it a different understanding. says even if it's not the best of governments, we need, we need because otherwise it's going to be anarchy. And that's what Sforno on his Perush to Avot it takes, uh, develops. Even though the king might not be the most righteous of kings, as it happened with most of the kings of Bayit Sheni, and maybe he th- he steals Mikol Makom, you should pray on his behalf, because otherwise it could be much, much, much worse. This pasuk in Sefer Yirmiyahu, which inspired the Tana Chanina when he says eventually became the source of creating a prayer and from the 10th century on we have different prayers in different communities of Yahadut HaTfutzov on behalf of the ruling government as we have as, as I said as early as 10th century the most famous prayer that was accepted in the Sidurei Tefillah is Hanoten Shu'alam Lachim which is very nice to teach in an English-speaking class. I guarantee if I was teaching some Hebrew-speaking they would never even have heard of HaTfilah Hanoten Shu'alam Lachim Hanoten Shualam Achim was, was written, it was composed in Spain towards the end of the 15th century, ironically, in honor of Fernand. So, King Fernand. Uh, so let's just read a few lines from this Hanoten Shualam Lachim in source number 9. Hanoten Shualam Lachim Memshalala Nesichim, Malchuto Malchut Kololamim, Hapotse David Avdo Micherev Ra'a. The king who saved King David from the, from the sword, he should protect and guard. And you, well, you probably who listen to this in shul probably know the translation better than I do. The queen, so and so, the king, the president, and so and so. Do you remember in the movie of uh, the Fiddler on the Roof? May God keep the czar far and away from us. Now the truth is, I don't know if the, author, if the writer of the movie had this in mind, but there was a, there's a great deal of cleverness in this prayer. Hanoten shu'alam lachim. Let's read the first line again. Hanoten shu'alam lachim, umem shalala nesichim, malchutom malchut kol alamim, et David avdo, who saves David, his servant. That pasuk is taken from Tehillim. Look at the end of uh, source 9, chapter Kufmem Dalid. Elohim, shir chadash, shir alach, benevel asar azamalach. God, I will rejoice and, and uh, play instruments. Hanoten shualam lachim. Hapotzeh David avdom micherav ra'ah. Recognize that? What's the continuation of the pasuk? Patseni v'hatsileni miyad b'nei nechar. Save me from the hands of the enemies. So when they're saying this in shul, the king thinks they're saying a prayer in his honor, but every Jew, what does he have in mind? The continuation of the verse. May God keep the czar far and away from us. Patseni, that God should protect me from these bnei nechar, these foreigners who wish to destroy. So, for, for, so in the time of Yirmiyahu, they daven, for Bavel. What happens after Shivat Zion? Who are they supposed to daven for? Open up to chapter Tehillim, chapter 122.
Shir Hamalot le David. Samachti be'omrim li beit Adonai nelech. Now we're going to prove that this parak is a parak that is clearly written after Shivat Zion. Samachti be'omrim li. So the, the author of this parak says, I'm happy when people just say it's time to go. It's that time of year where we're going to Aliyah Regel. Or I'm happy when people say the flight of Nefesh Benefesh is going to be taking off on August 15th. That enough gets me excited. Samachti be'omrim li beit Adonai nelech. Omdot hayu raglenu bisharayach Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim habnuya ki'ir shechubra layachdav. This parak is also chosen to be the parak of Yom Yerushalayim, the parak that was read on the radio right shortly after it was announced. Har habayit b'yadenu. This parak was read out. Ir shechubra, the city that was connected. The next pasuk clearly indicates that this is someone in Bayit Sheni speaking. Shesham alu shvatim shivtei ya edut Israel. This is the place where the tribes once in the past used to make Aliyah Regel, Lo Dot Hashem Adonai. Kishama Yashvu Kisot Mishpat Kisot Levei David. This is the place where once upon a time there were Kisot Levei David. So clearly, Perek Kuf Kaf Bet in Tehilim is describing someone in Shivat Zion's time period that's describing Yerushalayim in the past. Kishama Yashvu Kisot Mishpat Kisot Levei David. And in Bayit Sheni, what is the author of Mizmor Kuf Gafet? He relates to Yirmiyahu's Nevoah. Yirmiyahu's Nevoah told the Golim, Dear Shuet Shlom Ha'ir, now Bayit Sheni saying, That Nevoah is over. What are we supposed to do now? Now, Shalu Shlom Yerushalayim. No longer, Dear Shuet Shlom Ha'ir, Kibi Shlomai, Yelachem Shalom. Now is the time to go back and pray on behalf for Yerushalayim. Shalu Shlom Yerushalayim, Yishlayu Ohavayich. Yehi shalom bechelech shalva all that shalom 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 that we're talking about Babel shalva b'avonatayim. What happens after galut? This this tefillah becomes no longer relevant. Rabbi Yehuda Halevi writes his beautiful kina that relates to Mizmor Kuf Gavet that relates to Yirmiyahu. Look in your source number eleven. In the piyut, it's a piyut. You, it, it appears in the kinot that hopefully we will not be reading on Tisha B'Av. But if you study the Sefer Kinot, it appears towards the end of the Kinot, we have what's called Kinot Sion. All of them are based on the rhyming of the most famous Kinah of, of the 11th century Spanish poet Rabbi Yehuda Halevi. This poet was translated into over nine languages. This poet was an inspiration for Aliyah throughout the generations. And what does he say? What does Rabbi Yehuda Halevi, once they're in Galut again? Sion. Sion, we've been davening for you for years. Shalu Shlom Yerushalayim. Sion, isn't it time now that you should ask for shalom for us? Sion, halo tishali lishlom asiraich. Dorshei shalomech vehem yeter adaraich. The word dorshei, we know that from Yirmiyahu. Vidirshu et shlom ha'ir. Now he says, Sion, now it's your time to ask. For, on our behalf, Sion Halotish Ali. Let's continue now. That same Perek in Yirmiyahu, Chavtet. I'm reading Pasuk Zayin again. Vidirshu et Shloma Yirashei Gleitit Chem Shama Vit Palalu Ba'adal Adonai Ki Vishloma Yihielachem Shalom. Ki Choama Hashem Tzvakot. Verse chapter 29, verse 8. Says, don't be seduced. We know that word Yashiu. Don't be seduced by those voices who are saying what people want to hear. Who are those voices? Those are the voices of chapter 28 who are saying that you're going to come back. So that's not, that's not the word of God. Lo shlachtim. Verse 10. When 70 years are completed to Babel, I will fulfill, I will redeem you, and I will bring my word 
upon you. Radak points out a very important observation. Um, I don't know if you've taken Shirim on the 70 years, but there's two different sets of 70 years. Keep one hand here and open again to the last page of uh, the Tanakh, the last page of Divrei Hayamim. The last two verses. Uvishnata chat lechoresh melech paras lechlot v'adonai b'fiyir miyahu. Heir Adonai et Koresh Melech Paras, Vayaver Kol Bechol Machuto Vigam Bemichtav Lemor. Kor Marshem Koresh Melech Paras, Kol Mamachota Atzatani Adonai Elohea Shamayim, Vupakad Alai Livnot, Bait Birushalayim Asher Biuda. Mibachem Mechol Amo Adonai Elohav Imo Vayaal. This is describing the end of the, seven, of the 70 years. Now just go back to verse 21. Limlot Vadonai Bifir Miao Adratstaha Arts Et Shabtoteha. What's interesting about that verse, and this is where it gets a little bit confusing, we'll try to simplify it, it's, we're told in Sefer Yirmiyahu, 70 years we count for the Babylonian king. Here we're told in Sefer Yirmiyahu, a different set of 70 years. 70 years, the land will be desolate. Limlot, which is different. Radak addresses this. Look on your source sheet. And source number 13. shana lemalchut bavel, katavnu lemalach hashbonam. Efkod sheiret ruach korash malach paras, kemo shakatuv. Vapikida haital shivim shana lemalchut bavel. Yirmiyahu talks about 70 years of malchut bavel. But building Beit HaMikdash, but from the time the temple is destroyed till the time it is rebuilt, that's another set of 70 years. This 70 years is not the 70 years there. They're going to come back 16 years before they build the Beit HaMikdash. They're not, the, they're not identical, the 70 years. Here. And we find this, this 70 years of, the, the, of, Yerushal, of Yerushal, the Beit HaMikdash being destroyed is also mentioned in Sefer Daniel. There are two sets of 70, completely set, different sets of 70 years. I want to talk about what is, so we see, though, even though we have two sets of 70 years, the number 70 is clearly significant. And in Tanakh, we have several different types of uh, prototype numbers. Seven. What's significant? What do we have seven, uh, seven years? Seven years, we have hakel. When by the time a, tr- a boy turns bar mitzvah, he will experience one hakel, at least one hakel, sometimes two, depending when he was born. The Torah wants every taf, every child, to experience at least once hakel. 50 years. What happens in 50 years? We have the yovel. People live over, every, every individual will generally have in his lifetime one yovel. Every individual has the right once in his lifetime to return to his land, to return to his family. That is the yovel. 70 years, not too many people live 70 years. Up until 100 years ago, most people did not live up till 70 years. Tehilim Peretzadi says, Yemei Adam Bahem, at most, Shivim Shana. If he's exceptionally in good health, Bigvurot, Shmonim Shana. That's very exceptional. Yermiyahu chooses 70 years, or Gakadosh Baruch, who tells Yermiyahu it's 70 years, because it is a time frame that is long, but not too long that people. Will, will, will give up. People no, can look forward to that 70 years. And more than that, Yirmiyahu wants that when this nevuah is fulfilled, they will people that can say, I remember. It is so much more... How many of you were around in 1948? You can raise your hands. It is so much more significant. And the events that take place is so much more significant when you have people who say, I remember when people are saying that adds so much to the events. Even if it's going to be a handful, but Yirmiyahu wants that handful to be there. So maybe the, the Galut should have been 80 years. Maybe it should have been 90 years. But the Chazdei Hashem, it's 70 years. So that those few people, and those few people will find them in Sefer Ezra, who say, they see the events. Some of them cry, and some of them rejoice. 
But they, they'll be there to say, I remember, I am here. Hayinu kecholmim. Let's go back to chapter 29. Verse 10. Kicho amashem ki lefim elot lebavel shivim shana efkodetchem. Vakimoti alechem etzvari hatov. I will fulfill my good word to bring you back to this place. Ki anochi adati et hamachshavot asher anochi choshev alechem numadonai. Machshavot shalom. The purpose of this galut is not destruction. It is rebuilding. Velolera. You are the acharit v'tikva. You are the hope. We started out with the nivua. In this place, you shall no longer hear. Kol sasom v'kol simcha. You are the generation that eventually will come back and the nevuah of Perak Lamed, which you don't have to open up now in your meow, says, Meherai shama kol sason v'kol simcha kol chatan v'kol kala kol mevi'im toda beit Hashem. The sound of joy, the towns of people bringing kol toda. You are the generation that had heard those kolot and you will also hear the renewal of these five kolot. Kol mevi'im toda beit Hashem. That's the generation of Sefer Ezra, where we see the Mivim Toda Beit Hashem Omrim Hodu Hashem Kitov. If you open up to Sefer Ezra, you'll see in the Hanukkah, putting down the foundations, Ezra Peregimel, the last three Psukim, we have five kolot. Kol, 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 kol. The five kolot are heard of rejoicing in Sefer Ezra. And when they lay down the foundations of Beit Hamikdash, what do they say? Hodu Hashem Kitov. That same Hodu Hashem Kitov. Yirmiyahu tells them, don't listen to your dreams. Seventy years later, they can write, Shir Hamalot Beshuv Hashem Etzion, Hayinu Kecholmim. We were told to give up those dreams, but these are the chaloms that we are not supposed to, that we are not supposed to give up. 2,600 years after Yirmiyahu, based on and inspired by Yirmiyahu, the two Rabbanim Harashim of the state of Israel, Rav Herzog and Rav Uziel, composed together the tefillah l'shlom hamedina. They chose not to take hanoten shualam lachim, which is a very galuti tefillah. It does not talk about Zion. And they chose to recompose, inspired by Yirmiyahu, a new tefillah. And um, so as I was preparing the class for today, I was thinking to myself, had Yirmiyahu been today in Alon Shvut, maybe in this classroom, and seen hundreds of men and women and in recent years, I see more and more and more young adults, teens coming here. What would Yirmiyahu have said? Maybe he would have said the same words he told, spoke to Rachel. He said, Min'i kolech mi'bechi, but talking here to himself, Yirmiyahu who cries also. Min'i kolech mi'bechi ve'inach mi'dim'ah, ki yeisachar lefulatech v'shavu banim ligvulam. That's what he would have said. What would he have said had he gone to shul, maybe the Beit Knesset here, or shul in Yerushalayim, after listening and hearing tefillah l'shlom medinat Yisrael, what would Yirmiyahu have said? I think he would have opened up his sitter and turned one page back before tefillah l'shlom hamdina. And he would say the following, maybe in tears. Baruch atah Hashem elokeinu melech haolam, tzur kol alamim, tzadik bechol adorot. Some of them were not fulfilled in Yirmiyahu's lifetime. Some of them were fulfilled in our time. That's a nevuah we were zocheh. That, that's in your nevuot that we were zocher. Baruch Hashem, ha'el ha'neeman b'chol dvarav.